You're listening to a live recording from one of our midweek services here at Cornerstone Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. We believe this message will be a blessing to your life. In this installment of our series, Growing Up Spiritually, Pastor Brandon Spiker wants to help you locate where you are spiritually. And in this third installment of our series, he wants to talk to you all about adulthood. We hope you're ready for this life-changing message. It's time to grow spiritually. Are you ready for the word tonight? All right. All right. All right. Did you bring your, your boxing headgear tonight? I mean, just checking here. Just kidding. All right. Well, let's go to our foundational scripture here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15. And... Um, we're going to be talking about uh, growing up spiritually, but now we're into the adulthood stage. As um, I described earlier, manhood or adulthood, we, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with adulthood, so we include. Um, but let's talk about this, the adulthood stage, but let's read this here tonight. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. And that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by slay of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to be to deceive. But speaking the love, the truth in love, they may grow up unto him in what? All things, which is the head, even Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for what you're going to do on the inside of us. We ask you to speak to us, direct us, guide us, Lord. Lord, let it not be the works of the flesh, but let it be completely influence everything by the Spirit of God. And speak to our spirits tonight, Lord. And we give you praise, glory, and honor for everything you have done, everything you're doing now, and everything you're about to do in the future. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Now, as we've read this, and just to give an overview, we understand that the Lord raised up gifts unto the body of Christ for the perfecting. The word perfecting there, as we've studied and going over that, means maturity or maturing. And so when you look at the word perfecting, most of us in our mind go to and think, oh, well, he's talking about when am I, you know, when am I ever going to be perfect? Or is he, how can I be perfect? And, and all those things. But it's not that word that you and I think or that way of you and I think of being perfect. He's talking about growing up or maturing in a spiritual realm. And then he goes on that you may no longer what be children tossed to and throw, but you would grow what in the unity of the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Now, let, let me just, how, how, do we, how do we create unity? Let, let's talk about this for a minute. Now, maturing, okay, 
perfecting equals maturing, but unity is a sign that you are being perfected. Okay? It is a sign that you are being perfected or that you are walking into a level of maturity. So how do we mature to stand in to that perfecting or how do we perfect or mature to get into that unity? Now, I'm just going off here with, with me. Go to Matthew 16, 18 in the King James Bible. Matthew 16, 18. And listen to what he says to you. He says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and what the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, if you back up in this passage of Scripture, Jesus says to the disciples, He says, Who do men say that I am? They said, Some say you're Elias. Some say you're the prophet Elijah. Some say this. And He said, But who do you say that I am? And, and they all came up and said different things. But Peter stood up and said, I believe you are the Christ. And he said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven revealed this to you. Now, now listen, to, listen to what he... And then he goes on, If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. For me and the Father are what? One. So the word... Put that scripture back up there, please, if you don't mind, sir. He, he says, upon this rock, the word rock there translates out to the word revelation. Okay? So he says, upon this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what revelation is he talking about? He's talking about a revelation of who Christ is. So the more you know about the Godhead, the more you know who Christ is, the more you will be perfected, and the more that you are perfected, the more the body is unified. Did you hear what it said? So the more revelation you have about Christ, the more you realize that it's not about you. Did did you hear what I said? You don't live for yourself. You were bought... With the price, you belong to Christ. You do not belong to yourself anymore. Did you hear what I said? So the greater revelation of Christ that I have, the more perfected I am because it brings me or produces maturity, produces unity within me. So the more I spend time with Him, the more I grow up. The greater revelation I have of them, the more I grow up. The, 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 more, the more that unfolds about what Christ has done, who He is in my life, that He is the God, the Creator of all things. When I begin to get a deeper revelation, I begin to mature in the things of God and things that used to upset me or offend me no longer offend me or upset me or derail me because I know it's all about Him. Can you say amen to that? Woo, I felt that right there. So the more you mature, the more we mature, the more unity will be displayed in the body. Anywhere you find 
people who are not walking in unity, it has to do with their maturity. It's the same thing in relationships. Okay? Uh, relationships, I always say this, marriage never fails. Okay? It never fails. The marriage always accomplishes its job. Even if people split up, marriage... Because you'll always end up a little bit more brains than what you did before. It does its job, or at least for the... If you got any, it, you, you will. Okay? How many of you were a lot smarter in your second one than your first one? Rest my case. How many of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I say? But a lot of things you find out, you know, I, we, we were talking about this the other day. When Tara and I first got married, boy, I'm telling you, we, when I tell you we fought like cats and dogs, I mean, it was like the gates of hell open. It just, whew. I mean, I, she's not in here, so I'll tell you this. She, <laughs> Pastor Tina's video. Uh, I mean, when we, I mean, it was just every little thing. I mean, I would make a big deal out of which side you squeeze the toothpaste out of. But the more I matured in the relationship, I realized some things are not even worth talking about. Some things are not even worth fighting. And here, here we are, many of us are using our energy fighting a battle that we were never meant to fight and the reason why you're fighting it, it's not because the devil's after you. It's because of your level of maturity. Did, did, did you hear what I said? And God's saying, I, I, I got to grow you up. Now, now listen to this here. So he says, upon this revelation. So when your eyes is on Jesus, he perfects you. He changes you. He matures you. When you're, when you're centered, when everything is about the Lord, He brings you into a place of perfecting through, through His gifts unto men, which are the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He uses them to bring about that maturing. But you have to keep your eyes ultimately on Christ because as you do, He matures you and then the unity is developed among the brethren. Okay? Now, now listen to this. How many of you know there, there's definitely more to your walk with the Lord than what you've experienced? How many understand that? Here's the thing. When we're talking about adulthood, you, 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 you know, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body, right? Okay. Most of the preaching and the teaching you hear is dealing with the body and the soul. You got to tell people to keep your pants up. Keep your dresses down. You got to tell them simple things that ultimately they should already know in their walk with the Lord. So most of your preaching is dealing with a soul and a body. And then we're never able to get to the spirit. So then we can't get to spiritual things because we're... We haven't matured in the faith. We're dealing with these other things, trying to keep people, you know, from acting right. 
When really God's saying there's more to this, but I can't give you more to this till you're perfected to this level. When you get a control over that, then I can show you the deeper things, which only can be revealed by the Spirit of God. Is that good right there? So you can't, you, you, you got to understand, you can't get things of the Spirit if you're still fighting things of the body and the soul. You got to conquer that. Amen. So so let's go into this. There are many scriptural characteristics of adulthood stage of, of spirituality. And really, if you've been listening to every one of these, we've been talking about really adulthood through all of this. And and now we're talking about. But I want to talk about three different stages here in the adulthood stage. And the first one is. Number one, we're going to talk about tonight, esteeming earthly things lightly. Esteeming earthly things lightly. Um, Number two, we're going to talk about deadness to disapproval or to praise. And number three, we're going to talk about the ability to recognize God at work. So let's talk about esteeming earthly things lightly. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse uh, 24 through 26 here. And by by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming their approach of Christ greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now, let's talk about this here. So when we go back to verse 24 here, it says that when Moses, had, when he was come to years, when he had, what? Grown up. The Bible's referring to him when he, when he had grown up, he became a man or stepped into that adulthood that he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter's son. Now, now think about what he refused. Okay, He saw the difference between the people of God and the people of the world. Okay, Egypt is a symbolic sign for the world. So he is refusing and denying those things that are of the world. He's saying, don't call me that. Don't associate me with that. Don't put me in that fold because I'm not of that anymore. I've grown out of that. And now I would rather suffer affliction because I know that there is a great blessing. If that's the Lord calling you, tell him we, we, I heard him. Um, uh, I actually answered a phone in a service one time. I said, hey, how you doing? I'm actually preaching here and they're, they're phone ring. Uh, but so, so he's saying, I've left the world. I've left that system. I've come to a maturing place in my faith. Don't call me that or label me that because I'm not going to allow that to stop me from receiving or approaching the riches that are in Christ. Can you say amen? Now think about that. You're talking about a man who just now refused the great riches of Egypt and refused all the nice things who was in line to the throne, 
But he refused it because he realized there was something greater that even though it wasn't comfortable now, it was going to be a greater glory that manifested. Let me go over to this church over here. A greater glory that manifested in his life. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself, when you're beginning to walk in the state, you'll find yourself settling or beginning to esteem earthly things and earthly treasures and earthly experiences. And if you're not careful, you'll put those things before you'll put God before God and before his house. Did you hear what I said? Kind of like I'm going to a concert on Sunday when you know church is on Sunday. What, well, where is you, what are you esteeming? Are you esteeming in the earthly things? Or are you, are you got your eyes on the greater glory? Do you see the greater measure? Do you under, and I know everybody needs a vacation and go here and that. And that's what I'm not, not talking about. I'm talking about a behavior. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm talking about a behavior. Some of y'all are like, just, <laughs> I mean, y'all, y'all having fun, ain't you? Yet he, he esteemed the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Now he's an heir to Egypt, to the world. He's going to have the key and lock. He's going to own it all, but he, he pushes it away because he knows that he has been called for a purpose and the assignment that is greater than going out and partying. When you know that purpose on your life, you ain't going to go out all night and drink. You, you, that, that's, that's a part of Egypt. You ain't going to be a womanizer. You're not going to do those kind of things. You're not going to live unequally yoked. You're going you're gonna to get married. You're going to make the right decisions. You're going to start doing the right thing because you recognize God has created you for greatness and if you settle for the things of the world you'll sell your birthright for something that is a pleasing to the flesh now but ultimately will cause you to lose cost you greater down the road now is that good right there so one of the characteristics of growing up is to esteem earthly things lightly. You cannot put earthly things over spiritual things and expect to grow up spiritually. So if you want to grow up spiritually, you have to make spiritual things the priority in your life. Can you say amen? Go to Isaiah 119. Now, now listen to this. God wants to prosper his children, okay? Uh, Listen to what he says. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the what? So your, your willingness to leave Egypt, move forward, God says, you ain't gonna, you are not going to put me first and then do without. Ain't that good? Go to 3 John 1, 2 here. Beloved, I wish above what? All things that thou mayest prosper and be in health 
and even thy soul prospered. Now, now, pay attention here, because these are three different types of prosperity. You just read that, and you missed it right there. Number one, he said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. Right there, he's talking about material things. Then he says, and be in health. That's another level of prosperity. He says, okay, I want you to have money. I want you to have material things, but I also want you to be in good health. And then he said, even as thy soul prospers, meaning you can have money and have health, but be crazy. Now she's laughing. Did, did you hear what I You can have all those things and be crazy. But when you're prospering in your soul, which is your sacral mind, will, intellect, and emotion, there's a lot of people that got a lot of money, but they're losing it up here. And My God. They're losing it up here because they got the earthly things, but they don't have that. And they got the health and they work out, but they don't have the prosperity of their soul, their mind, will, intellect, and emotion. God just don't want to give you material thing. He says, I want to bless you in every area of your life. Can you say amen to that? Psalms, Psalms 1, verse 3, uh, verse 1 through 3. Uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or stranded in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doeth meditate day and what? Night. And ye shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he does, he shall what? Now, let me tell you something. When the blessings of the Lord is on your life, what he's saying, your clothes ain't even going to wear out. Somebody said, how do you see that? Because we read, even when the children of Israel were being delivered from Egypt, the Bible says they didn't even have holes in their clothes. Their clothes never wore out. The seams never broke. No matter how much manna they ate and how much weight they put on, that stuff was working. Why? Because when God's blessing is on your life, when you leave Egypt, there is a blessing that comes on you that your clothes, your clothes won't wear out. They won't be able to rob you, steal from you. They will pay top dollar for your work and your business. Why? Because of God has raised you up to prosper and you didn't settle or esteem earthly things, but you put your eyes on the things of God. Can you say amen? I, I had a, a preacher uh, one time he was telling me that he had this man that he had he knew and the man came to him. He saw him at the store. He was out and doing some business in town. It was a small town like Salisbury and more like China Grove. But <laughs> Salisbury is a little too big for this town. But more like China Grove. He was in there and he saw the man and the man goes, hey, preacher, how you doing? And he said, uh, I'm doing good. Good to see you. 
he said, uh, he said, where, where are you? Uh, what you been doing? He goes, well, we're getting ready to move. And he goes, where, where are you moving to? He says, well, we're moving to the such and such town. And uh, he said, I, I got a raise uh, that if I move there, I'm going to make $50 more a week. And uh, which ain't much. Uh, anyways, I'll stop there. Uh, almost said. <laughs> anyways, so so uh, he said it ain't it ain't, you know, and he goes, it's fifty dollars. It was a big deal to him. Fifty dollars. And and uh, it was quite a distance away. And the pastor said, uh, well, where are you going to go to church? He said, I don't know. I ain't thought about it. He said, uh. He goes, well, I know that particular town, and I know there's not a church like the church you're in in that particular town, is what the pastor told him. And he said, when you started going to the church you're at, wasn't your wife dying with stomach cancer? And he goes, yeah, she couldn't eat anything, could she? No. He said, and you were spending all your money on medical bills, weren't you? He said, yes, sir, I was. He goes, but the Lord healed her, didn't he? She goes, he goes, yes, sir, he did. He goes, and you're debt free now, aren't you? The Lord totally eliminated all those medical bills, didn't he? You're free from that debt, aren't you? He said, yes, sir. He said, so you're telling me that you're leaving a church that got you through the roughest time of your life, and you're going, you're going to somewhere else, and you're just going to go to any church. And not go to a spirit-led church. Over $50 a week. And that's what you have to understand. That's why it's so important to where you go to church and who you're connected to. Because the right church can get you, preach you through, get you through, heal you through the things you're going through. Can you say amen to that? Well, the man came back to him a week later and said, you know, I thought about what you said, and I ain't going nowhere. He said, I ain't leaving. He said, he said I ain't going. I figured it out. It's better for me to stay where I am and make $50 or less than go to a place that don't have a Holy Ghost-filled church where ain't nothing happening and nothing's moving. Because And he goes, you just, and the, guy, the pastor said, well, you just remember where your blessing came from. That, that's the thing. He was esteeming. He's all caught up in the money. It's amazing what people do for money. They, they move to places. Uh, they move to places and where they don't know anybody. They get connected with complete strangers. They go to just some random church without any recommendation or anything and not being led by the Spirit of God over some money. And then end up, you turn around, they divorce, I mean, bankruptcy, all these wrong things are happening in their life. Well, you left the place where God planted you where the blessing could flow. And when you esteem earthly things, you'll always jump at the next amount of money. And let me tell you something, when you esteem earthly things, you'll always be for sale. You'll be for sale. 
the next buyer, the next thing that flashes, the next light that comes on, the next pretty sign they put up in town, you'll run to the next place. Why? Because you're, you're going by earthly things. You hadn't, you've got to mature in the place where the lights, the cameras, none of that, the money. Listen, you, you don't, you do not move or be bought by money. They are not your source. The Lord is your source. And if God planted you here, He will take care of you. He will take care of you. He will take care of you. That's why, listen, it don't, there are people, and I'm telling you, that will move to Salisbury from all over the world. It's coming. They will move from all over the world. People say, why in the world would you move to Salisbury, North Carolina? Because of what is being poured out in this house is going to transform their life. It won't be because it's a big city. It won't be because there are billions of dollars here and we're the fastest growing metropolitan. It won't be because of any of that. It will be because the purpose and the destiny that is on their life. And people are saying it's not about money. It's not about living in the nicest neighborhood. It's about the kingdom of God. And esteeming those things that are of heaven. Can you say amen to that? Go to Hebrews 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 25. Is this good stuff? Don't, don't, don't fly out here, Randy. <laughs> Somebody need a seatbelt on the front row here. It is. And this just backs up what I'm saying. So don't not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day, what? Approaching. So we don't go to church because we love the pastor. We don't go to church because we love the music. We don't go to church because it's a good children's program. We go to church because we love God. And we have a revelation of Jesus. That's why we go to church. All those other things are extras. And they're all beneficial. And thank God for them all. Lord, we thank God there ain't a hundred kids running around in here tonight. But I'll tell you this, that's not the reason. If we didn't have that, I'd still be here and I'd still be on the front row. Why? Because that's where this is where God's called me to be. Amen to that. So if we, how do we esteem earthly things lightly? We do it by putting first things first. By putting God first in every area of our life. It's simple, right? You just put God first in every. No, I can't go there Sunday because I got this. I'm committed. No, I can't do that because I'm loyal to this. No, I, no, you're not going to do that to me because I understand the importance of being connected to the vine. Connected to the... No, can't do that. Sorry. Uh, we call Family call. Oh, will you go out with it? We're having this on Sunday. And we're, no, I can do it after 12 o'clock, but before that I can't do it because I'm, I'm not esteeming those things. I love you and I care about you, but I got to put first things first. Can you say amen? 
Number two, you, uh, you got to be dead to censor or praise. You got to be dead to disapproval or approval. It's a sign. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. But with me is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. He's saying it don't matter that you judge me. Or of a man's judgment. Yeah, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified. But he that judges me is who? The Lord. So Paul had grown in grace to such an extent that he saw only to commend himself to the Lord or command himself to the Lord. He says, you can, you, you can tell me how wonderful I am. I want to know what the Lord wants. I want to know what the Lord thinks. You can tell me you dislike me. It ain't going to bother me, and it's not going to change my message or change what I believe. I won't compromise. If the Lord has an issue with me, I'll answer to Him. Did, did, did you hear what I said? So when we're growing in our faith and we become adults in spiritually, you got to understand, listen, when God really, His glory hits this place, people are going to think you lost your mind, number one. They're going to think you're crazy. They're going to say things, negative things. And if you take the credit, you also have to take the persecution. But if you don't take the glory for it, and I don't take the glory for it, when those negative things are said, it won't affect us because we gave God the glory and the credit for it. So if they're persecuting anybody, they're not persecuting us, they're persecuting Christ. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And when God does start doing some big things in your life, people are going to get mad about it. They're going to get jealous about it. They're going to get angry about it. When he makes you a millionaire, people are going to get mad about it, Cedric. They're going to get, I'm t- family members are going to turn on you. And the minute you don't, you don't feel led to help them because you're tired of enabling them, they're going to slap you. Isn't this good? He was not influenced or affected by what other people thought of him. You, You can't be affected. You cannot allow people's experiences, what they've seen, all those things. You cannot allow that to deter you or affect you. In any way, when you are operating spiritually as an adult. He said, the law of love governs me. I love them even when they talk about me. I just love them. Ain't this good? So listen to this. And and let me tell you something. You know where you're at in your place of maturity that when people can puff you up and you feel a certain way. Or they, and I'm not saying don't compliment people and all those things, but at the end of the day, does their compliment really change what God spoke to you? 
decisions or does their disapproval change what God says too? See, immature Christians will always feel slighted or puff up if they're criticized or even imagine that they are being criticized. They, they awake all night. Can't sleep. Can't sleep all night because you just think somebody said something about you or you think they feel a way about you. When really, they don't feel nothing about you. Matter of fact, they never even... They had to ask somebody your name because they couldn't even remember it. <laughs> no, I'm serious. How many times have we seen people think that you don't like them because of a certain because of a certain demeanor or anything? And really, then you're keeping yourself all up all night because they didn't say hello to you at church. I know they don't like me. I know they. <laughs> and you're like manifesting. <laughs> Come out. Yeah. It's like instead of the devil coming out of them, it's like come out of that devil. You know, <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? And also, you know, another sign of it is self-consciousness and ever conscious of what others are thinking about you. Wherefore, they're tossed to and fro. To and fro, you're tossed to and fro because you've imagined something in your mind that just isn't the reality. He's gonna, I'll pick on David here for a minute. I'm not picking, I'm actually picking on myself, but he sent me a text last night and I was busy, you know, I just was real short, just, I, I didn't, you know, and then my wife actually got on to me <laughs> about it, but I was real short because I was in the middle of something, so I, I, I like to respond back quickly as much as possible, I try to respond back to people, but I was, I read, I just said, and then my wife goes, you know, you need to slow down and, and, and give a little more detail than that, I said, yes, ma'am. I gotta go home with her. So, uh, you know, and then I, a few minutes later, I wrote back something. But, you know, right there, the enemy could have worked with me being short. He could have took it and thought, well, what's his problem? I've, I've, I've done this, this, and this. I know he didn't, but he could have, right? Done this, this, and this, and this. If he wasn't, you know, Secure in himself, he can always take something the wrong way. And a mature believer is conscious of God in all things. God's in in it all. Can you say amen? Put 1 Corinthians uh, 13.5 up in the Amplified Bible. Arrogant, inflated with pride. It is not rude. 
unmannerly. It goes not acting unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own right or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. So it's not touching. We, we, got, we got to get rid of that touchiness. We got to get rid of that thing that just, you know, that thing that irks your nerve, that one thing that causes you to roll your eyes. Are you laughing again? It's a lot of smiling people here tonight. Your face is going to hurt from smiling. But we got to get rid of that touchiness. If you're touchy in some areas, it's because you need to grow in that area. The more touchy you are, okay, let me put it this way. I got I to get to the next one here. Jesus said this. You've heard me say, he said when he's speaking, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, also believe in me. All right? That's actually a whole mistranslation there in the King James Bible. This is what Jesus said to him. He said, he said, shut up. <laughs> no, in the Greek, that's what he really said. I'm not making that up. He said to him, how many would love if your pastor stood up on Sunday morning and just said, shut up? How many of that might, you might feel tore up over that, wouldn't you? Who does he think he is? Bless God, I'll walk out of this church. I'm taking my tithe money and going somewhere else. He said, if you believe, shut up. And then it goes from shut up because it, it goes, get a grip on your emotion. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. He's not talking about a mansion up in the sky. The word mansion there comes from the word monet, which means dwelling place. He can dwell. Where? No, ye not. Ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I've created a dwelling place where my presence is in your life. But I can't dwell or my glory can't come till you get a grip on your emotions. So you stop being so touchy and so rawr and, and, and all those things and smile. Amen to that. Now you're laughing. I can't even see it. Now, now listen to this. The, the next one, I got to hurry here, is the ability to recognize God at work. You know, the best spiritual example of this, characteristic of this, is Joseph. His brothers take his coat. They throw him in a pit. He's in a pit. He gets sold into slavery. It just went from bad to worse to worse. And then when he is in jail, he's interpreting a butler's dreams. And then the butler gets out and forgets about him. And it's a few years later 
that Joseph is in there and the man he helped the most forgets about him. And then suddenly, two, three years later, suddenly he gets a call to interpret a dream for for the Pharaoh here, the king. He's interpreting a dream. And then listen to this. He becomes ruler over Egypt. And then his brothers who threw him into slavery, threw him in the pit, sold him, drive up on their donkeys on the scene. Now, I, I, I often this, what good, what, because the coat represented the favor in him and upon him, what good would the favor have done if he had never went to Egypt? He would have just been a temp boy with the rest of them herding sheep, but the favor, the, the challenge would have never amounted to the favor, so he just would have existed There's nothing worse than having an anointing on your life but not going to the place where it can be used. And here it is. It looks like the devil's trying to kill him, throw him in a pit, sell him to slavery, living in prison, eating. Then Potiphar's wife lies on him, tries to say he did something to her, and all those things. It keeps getting worse, 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 and worse. But really, it wasn't getting worse. It was getting better and better and better and better and better because God was at work. Even in the midst, and I, want, I feel like preaching here. When you think you are going through the worst place of your life, it is not just an enemy fighting you, but it is a God setting you up for the biggest victory of your life. And He's setting you up for a blessing. And while you think everything is falling apart, God is actually putting it all together. When you think you're going under, you're going to go over because God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will take what the enemy meant for evil and He will turn it for good in your life. That's why when you get fired or laid off from your job, you ought to throw your hands up and thank Him because God's at work to put you in a better position. When, when it looks like everything is going to hell in a handbag, you are to throw your hands and shout like you've lost your mind because that means God is getting ready to bless your life. He's getting ready to He's getting ready to break all restrictions that are on you. So instead of pouting about it, instead of being depressed about it, instead of drinking about it, instead of smoking about it, instead of going out and having bad relationships about it, you need to get yourself in a praising mode and give God glory. I don't care if I'm in the pit, I'm going to praise Him. I don't care if I'm in slavery, I'm going to praise Him. I don't care if I'm in prison, I'm going to praise Him because He's always going to turn it around for my good. He's at work. He's at work even in your roughest moment. He's at work. He's at work, Ashley. Even when it feels like the world is caving in and every devil in hell is beating down your door, 
He is at work. When it don't look like you can pay the bills, he's working. When it looks like the water is overtaking the boat, he's working. When it looks like nothing is adding up, he is working. He is working. And you put your faith in the confidence that God is not a man that he should lie. If he said he was going to do it, you can take it to the bank. It's a done deal. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working. Don't get depressed. Get a crazy praise. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working in the situation. He's working in your your son, your daughter's life. He's working in your situation. It doesn't matter what the evidence is. God can take that which was negative and turn it for your good. And you will have more than what you lost. The miracle is not in what you lost. The miracle is in what you have left. It's in what you have left. Send to your feet tonight. You feel that? Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that we're we're maturing in the faith so that we can bring about a unity that the world has never seen at Cornerstone. A unity that the world has never seen. We will do the impossible and show the world that there is a more excellent way. Just as your word declared in the book of Acts, there is a more excellent way And I thank you that this year we are chartering, we're in uncharted waters, but we're going to learn how to do it a more excellent way. More excellent way. A more excellent way. We're going to show the world something different. In Jesus' mighty name. I pray a blessing upon every person here. Increase them. Let this be a supernatural week for them. Let the tides turn. Let everything that was stacked against them, Lord, use it as building blocks to lift them up. And we give you praise. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Wow, what a powerful message from Pastor Brandon Spiker. If you've been blessed by this message, we want to encourage you to head over to www.mycornerstone.church or the Church Center app where you can share your testimony with us. We'd love to hear it. Here, you can also send in any prayer requests, and we also ask that you consider sowing into Cornerstone so that we can continue to reach people all around the world. While you're there, you can also check out all of our upcoming events. We have something for the entire family. Also, come and join us in person on Sundays at 10 a.m., Wednesdays at 7 p.m., or Saturdays at 6 p.m. for Cornerstone Espanol. Your family is always welcome here at Cornerstone Church. We love you. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.